The First Epistle of Peter, Chapter 1 Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Chapter 2 Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor all people, as Johnny says. Fear God, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That is our main text. When you preach a topical sermon, you prepare it uh, generally with a key verse. And I always like to include the context of the verse. And including the context, it just kept going deeper. And there's so many therefores and buts in this that I, I, you can't start with a therefore because what's it there for, right? So you got to see what it's there for. And so it led me all the way back to 1 Peter 1, verse 22. And this context is all foundational for honoring all people, loving the brotherhood, fearing God, and honoring the king. 
So chapter 1 of Peter's first letter to the church, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, who knows, obeying the truth purifies our life, doesn't it? We can't do that in our own strength. We do it through the Spirit. But our part is loving people. Through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently, that means passionately, wholeheartedly, with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. So the Word of God is what saves us. We hear the Word, the message, and the Word dawns, causes saving faith to dawn in our hearts. By grace are we saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So because of God's grace, he gives us the gift of saving faith. And he does this through our hearing his word. So his word, which is incorruptible, is what gives us a new birth. Verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Can we say eternal? Because all flesh is as grass, he's quoting another verse, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, so because we have heard the gospel and believed and we're walking in love with one another, through the power of the Spirit. Therefore, because we're in an effort to do those things, laying aside all malice. Malice is an iniquity that attacks us. It's ill will. It's not wanting things to go well for someone else. We're to lay that aside. How can you love each other if you've got malice in your heart, right? Therefore, having been born again through the Word, laying aside all malice, all deceit. Apparently he wants all of it, not just part of it. I'm going to keep a little deceit. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy. So I think the word all is implied in all this. And all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I've heard it said that nature abhors a vacuum. So it's not just a matter of getting away from malice, envy, evil speaking, hypocrisy, and envy, but it's replacing that stuff with the pure word that we are to desire just like a baby wants his or her mama's milk. Who knows, those babies can get hungry and fussy. And, of course, this is based on whether or not you've tasted the grace of the Lord. If you have, then this is it. So it's not just enough to be loving. The basis of that love is God's love for us. We learn that from the Word. So to get rid of the evil in our life, we fill it with something good. So it's like uh, this psychological experiment telling people not to think of pink elephants. You know, don't you dare think of a pink elephant. Don't you dare think of a big fat, ugly, mean, pink elephant with tusks and tails. Don't you dare think of that. What does that do? That just generates thoughts that envision that. 
But what, what, what are we to think of is the important thing. Otherwise, we'll think of why we have reasons to be malicious. Okay, I think you got the point. Coming to him. So desiring the word, we come to Jesus as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We offer up the sacrifice of praise. So, so there's no room in our life because of our purpose to be malicious, envious, hypocritical folks. Can I get an amen? amen? Therefore, because of what I just said, it is also contained in the scripture. This is an Old Testament prophecy. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's Jesus' Choctaw name. Chief cornerstone. <laughs> Elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. He takes our shame away, doesn't he? So we're the stones that are built on the stone. Therefore, verse 7, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the word which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Who knows the gospel is offensive? What? I'm a sinner? What? My good deeds won't get me into eternal heaven? What? I need to repent and turn from my wicked ways? What? That's offensive to me. What? One man paid the price? Yep, that's the gospel. They stumbled, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Everybody's going somewhere. We want to go upstairs, do we not? But you are a chosen generation. You're not appointed for that. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who call you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So we've got an identity to discover. Discovering the love of God, discovering the grace of God, discovering the eternal nature of our Lord and Savior and his provision for us and who we are in light of that. That's enough to fill our minds up with good things, isn't it? Beloved, verse 11, because of what I just said. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, as traveling folks. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable. Can we say honorable? honorable. Having your conduct, that is your lifestyle, honorable among the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe Glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, your good works could have an impact that they become believers. And when the day of visitation, the day of judgment comes, they're going to be praising God with you. That's right. That's right. So how we live is very important. Very important. 
Therefore, verse 13, because of what it said, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Not because you don't have a right to rebel, perhaps. Just submit for the sake of the Lord every ordinance of man, whether to the king is supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. That's the police. They may not be perfect, but submit to their authority. Why? So that you can go on about your mission. Our mission is not rioting and destroying people's property and, you know, getting sidetracked in all sorts of cultural battles. Our mission is to be that house of God that shines forth such a light that our good deeds causes people to glorify God on Judgment Day. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So how do you silence foolish people? Arguing with them? Calling them names? Nope. Just being faithful. Doing God's will for your life. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for, for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. It's possible to live like that because there's content to you. You have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been chosen. You're of the generation of a priesthood that is royal. You are kings and priests in his kingdom. Can we say thank you, Lord? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would speak to us in such a way that we leave here different than the way we came. Lord, let me not beat things to death, but Lord, may every truth be driven home that needs to be driven home in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to speak to you today. We're in a series called Honoring God and More. So today's subject is honoring people. Can we say that? Honoring people. People. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Our bulletin today has a scripture on it. 1 John 4, 21. I just want to read it. This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Oh, I love God, but I don't love the church. I love God, but I can't stand people. You really don't love God. How can you love God? who you have not seen, if you cannot love your brother, who you have seen. Honoring people involves several things, and we're going to cover what honoring people involves. Practicing a people-honoring lifestyle involves loving one another fervently. If we can't love each other, we certainly can't love unbelievers, right? Not that we're perfect, but we're with the people that Take seriously the commands of Christ that tells us to love one another, lay down our lives for one another, right? He's forgiven us and he's changing us. We're on that pathway of being conformed to the image of Christ. So loving each other is real important. 
And we're to do it fervently. We read that. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. I cannot honor all people if I cannot, first of all, honor my brothers in Christ, my sisters in Christ, right? If we're dissing one another, we're certainly not going to be a light for the Lord, right? They'll look at us and say, well, if they treat each other that way, I don't want anything to do with them because you'll be next. Practicing honoring people involves laying aside all wickedness. Can we say all? all. Check it out. It's what it means, all. The scripture for that in 1 Peter 2, verse 1 is laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. And that's what takes the place of the malice and all these things that want to take root in our heart. Who knows that in life things can be done wrong to you, right? And some people want that malice reinforced. Misery loves company, right? In fact, there was a well-known popular song back in my childhood. Hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song <laughs> so I can feel at home. That's reinforcing malice. So this involves what are we feeding our brains with? Make sure it's not counter to the scriptures. Practicing this involves living honorable lives. If we're dishonorable people, we can't honor anybody, right? I beg you, beloved, as sojourners, pilgrims, that's travelers. Some of us, sometimes we live and are tempted to be malicious because we live as though this is all there is. This earthly existence in July in Texas, we live in the now so much we forget there's an eternal future ahead, right? He who believes in me, Jesus said, will never die. Your body will, but you're going to live forever. There's more to you than meets the eye. Why do we get trapped in the nasty now now and just lose our minds over sinfulness in the world? What do you think the world is? It's not a righteous place. It's a sinful place. The people do what they do best. They need a Savior, right? And we're here for a purpose. So he's begging us to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. That's the unbelievers. That when they speak against you as evildoers, yeah, you Christians, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. So you can have an impact. You just can. It's not tit for tat. You killed my dog, I'm going to run over your cat kind of thing. It's... We live in such a strife-filled world, it's counterculture to not give people back what they've got coming to them. If nothing else, just comfort yourself. I'm going to show this guy mercy so that if he doesn't take note, he's going to have a distorted view of reality. And the next guy who's not a Christian is going to surprise him by a fist to the nose. People do not sin and get by with it if they don't repent, right? So let God be God and don't play their games. Well, that's not who I am. Well, 
It's not who you're made to be. It's not who you're called to be. All right, I think you got the point. Practicing this involves honoring everyone. Everyone is created in the image of God, are they not? And they are worthy of some sort of honor. Maybe they need to be in jail. Go visit them in jail and give them some respect. People need it. Not saying they're worthy of it. But God tells us to. How can we love God who we've not seen if we can't love folks that we have seen? Some of you are looking like, oh my goodness, I know where you're going. Practicing this involves understanding who the Lord is seeking. Who is the Lord seeking? Who's glad the Lord sought you out? Right? I was speaking to somebody the other day. He's pushing 80 years old. Oh, man, I'm just ready for the Lord to come back. I think he's 78. I want the Lord to come back now. Why won't he come back? I said, aren't you glad he waited on you? Yeah, I am. Watch this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He came to call sinners to repentance. This story is so important that it's in the Gospels three times. That was Matthew 9, it's in Mark 2, and Luke 5. It's part of Matthew's testimony, and his Greek name is Matthew, but his Hebrew name is Levi, and he's called Levi in Mark 2 and in Luke 5. So in Matthew 9, he comes to, comes to him, he's a tax collector, he's got his shop set up to take taxes, maybe coming in from the lake, uh, you know, you owe the government so much money for those fish. Who knows what he was doing or selling fishing license. And Jesus winds up in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. In Luke, it says he left everything and followed him. Notice in the video, he just left the money sitting there. Not sure how it exactly happened. And it says that Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. This wasn't coming over for tea or coffee. I mean, Matthew, Levi laid out a spread. And there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. 
Mark says that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. So don't allow anyone to misinterpret this story. This is not Jesus going into a club, getting drunk with heathens. This is a purposeful visit, and he's relating to everybody. He's honoring them with his presence. Who knows, when the Lord comes in your midst, you're being honored, right? And he's calling them to repentance. Verse 12 of Matthew 9, Jesus responds to the Pharisees. The religious folks were upset that he's spending time eating with tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors were licensed by the Roman government to collect taxes and to return it to them, but there was not much policing of what they were doing. So these guys were lining their pockets. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Getting rich off the backs of people, being the tax man. And they were hated because they're supporting, working for a heathen government. And Jesus goes to them, calls them to follow him. He'll show them a better way to live. And so his response to people that said, hey, you're spending time with some wicked folks, many wicked folks, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So when you're well, do you go to the doctor? Well, maybe to get a checkup or something, but most men don't do that kind of thing. When you're sick, you need the doctor, right? So these people fail to understand that Jesus is the great physician, he's the Messiah, and the people that need him the most, they're resentful of it. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's quoting Hosea 6.6, which says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. How we live is more important than our religion. How we worship is not as important as how we're living. Let my life be like a love song to your heart, Lord. So, he did not come to call righteous folks to repentance. Obviously, these guys, need, these guys needed to repent, but they were resistant to the message. So, a great number of tax collectors and sinners. The things that the Pharisees failed to understand that if a tax collector follows a Messiah, guess what? He's going to stop robbing folks. So their life is going to get better. Right? Sometimes people get resentful of God's blessing in the life of someone that he chooses to do a specific assignment, not realizing that person is paving the way for you to be blessed. So when your brother is blessed, guess what? You're being blessed. When the tax collectors and sinners were blessed by becoming Jesus followers, the resentful folks were going to be blessed. But they probably weren't going to enjoy it unless they repented themselves and followed him. All right, I think I made the point. Practicing this honoring people command involves remembering he has chosen us also. Oh, yes, we too were wicked folks, were we not? 
1 Corinthians 1, verse 28, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many, notice he didn't say not any, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So when God called us, maybe we weren't very wise. Maybe we weren't very mighty. Maybe we weren't very noble. It's a sick that needs a physician, right? So most of the time when we become believers, it's not because everything in our life was going great. Is that not true? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Can you say us? us. To put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world. Can you say me? <laughs> to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world. And the things which are despised. God has chosen. And the things which are not. To bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. So because we didn't always have it going on, not that we even have it going on now, we, you got to remember the pit out of which you were dug so that you don't resent God digging others out of the pit. He's not willing that any should perish. That's why the second coming hasn't come yet. I don't care what your charts say and your predictions and your Bible prophecy dilometers say. Every time they've been wrong. The Lord's still waiting and calling and using us and maturing us. If he took us to heaven like we are right now, he'd have to put us in some training. Otherwise, heaven would become earth too. Absolutely. In heaven, we're going to be known as we are known. Our personalities are going to be the same. So he's working on us now. Candy Hemphill sang a song that her daddy wrote, Joel Hemphill. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and faithful he must be because he's still working on me. So if someone dishonors us, does it help us to respond in a Christ-like manner? No, it tests our Christ-likeness. So when we deal with the public and they're driving in a dishonoring manner or they're dishonoring folks, and we respond in like manner. We're not making the world a better place. And we might get punched in the nose. I'm talking to somebody. Practicing this involves not fellowshipping with rebellious believers. As Christians, many times we get this principle backwards. We hang out with hypocrites, but won't have anything to do with those evil heathen out there. Listen to this instruction from Paul. I wrote to you not to keep company with sexually immoral people, 1 Corinthians 5. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. <laughs> the world's full of those kind of things, right? But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who's sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, 
Shunning is practiced by cults. We're not talking about shunning folks. If you see a long lost sheep, love them, honor them, but just don't hang out with them. Why? Because they will influence you. You let your guard down. With unbelievers, you know who you are, right? But with believers, maybe it's some person that's been hurt and they're just so full of malice, you spend time with them. It can be contagious. So this is to be practiced redemptively. It's not like I heard one guy say, well, my pastor told me not to hang out with you. It has nothing to do with the pastor. It has to do with you reading the word and obeying it as the Holy Spirit enables you to do it. Now, if you've got someone rebellious that's a believer in your family, don't ban them from coming in for Christmas. Just be on your guard, right? But by all means, don't go on vacation with them. Have meals, inviting them over for dinner and all that stuff, and allowing them to poison you. Don't do that. This was a church that had a man in it who was in relations with his dad's wife. And he was living like there is nothing wrong. Nobody was talking to him about this issue. And Paul said he's got to go. So how do we practice this here? Obviously, we do not have a, a uh, police force that inspects people, right? But if I learn that someone in leadership is shacking up, I just have a talk with them, tell them about my own moral upbringing and my own needing to step down at different times in my life, and I ask them to step down. And invariably, they just leave. So I've never had to approach this. I did approach one guy to never come back on the property. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but he was just slandering people left and right, no matter who would listen to him. He was just so in discord, just too much trouble. And we were the fourth church that he bragged about being thrown out of, the fifth church. And I did it, my investigations, and they said, we never threw him out. So I called him. I said, brother... Uh, those places never threw you out, but we are. <laughs> Why? We did not need a brother so in discord. He was doing stuff an unbeliever would never think of doing. Yeah, anyway, there were some other things he was doing just crazy. Harassing their senior citizens just was bad. All right. Practicing this involves recognizing God's purpose for humanity. May the Lord help us to remember People are created in God's image for a purpose. Hebrews 2 verse 6 says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? Why does God care about us? You have made him a little lower than the angels. We're a, a lower ranking in the realm of powers, powers that be than angels are. We can repent though and they can't. They mess up, they're done. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Can you say blessed? And set him over the works of your hands. Humanity is blessed. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Everything's been put under us. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. This is talking about humanity. God has done this, but sin has caused man not to fully enjoy this. But now we do not see all things put under him. 
We have death to deal with, do we not? It's horrible. It's our enemy. But we see Jesus, the man, the Son of God, who put death under his feet. Which brings us to our final point. Practicing the honoring of humanity involves seeing mankind's restoration in Christ. Our problem is we do not see fully our own potential, much less anybody else's, and the full redemptive purposes of the Son of God. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels like us, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Therefore, while death is a reality in our lives, we no longer fear it. The fear of death is a bondage. Take all the phobias of the world and chase them down to their most likely conclusion. They all point to death. But Jesus came to take away the fear of death. And so... Death for us is simply a geographical change for our spirit. We go somewhere else. Bye-bye body, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Bye-bye body, hello, Jesus. Oh, I've been to funerals where people are talking to the deceased. I'm sorry, the deceased aren't there. The last thing they want to do is hang out at a funeral. They now see things as they really are. It's the truth. I know a cardinal may have appeared and comforted you. That's great. That's the Lord comforting you. That's not Billy Bob sending you his favorite bird. The Lord comforts us. Now, let's bring it home. And I'm done. There's two things. We're living in crazy times, are we not? People are losing their minds. That doesn't mean we have to. And we can strongly disagree and take a stand for truth without calling people names. Right? It's the truth. Sanity has fallen in the streets, it seems like. It's wrong, and we will call it out. But I don't think any insane folks are here today, so why waste your time with saying, why turn the church into an echo chamber of saying stuff you already know? We, we don't grow that way. Well, I'll be reinforced. My prejudices will be reinforced. Well, you don't need any help there. So that's the first reason for this message. The second reason is we are fixing to enter an election season, maybe like we have never seen. And we must guard our hearts, guard our tongues, Guard our words, guard our postings, guard our attitudes, because the Great Commission does not go on suspension during an election year. People need Jesus. If you want to get mad, get mad at God. Read Romans 1, 16 through 2, 11. When mankind rejects God... He opens the way for a reprobate spirit to come in and take over. So why is this happening? People are rejecting God. 
people are misled. But God has allowed it. Why should he allow people to reject him and to be completely blessed for the rest of their life? Why would he do that? He's a loving God. Okay, you don't want me? Let's see. I'm going to allow all sorts of nonsense to come in to your culture. Let's see how you do without me. This has been a long time coming. So God is at work. So what is our duty? To be a light. You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Do not put your light under the bushel basket of whatever your favorite topic is. Let your light so shine that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven on the day of visitation. All right. Wherever that shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> Why are you so passionate? I'm preaching to myself. Some of you probably think, yeah, but I remember you. Yep, you're absolutely right. And I need your help. If you see me crossing the line, pastor, um, <laughs> honor all people. <laughs> honor all. That's the most likely one. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, it take root in our hearts and we apply it to every segment of our life. Lord, help us not to be sacred versus secular people that were sacred on Sunday and secular on Monday. Help us, Lord, to be sacred all the time. There are forces that be that want our influence to be contained within the walls of our church buildings. Help us, Lord, to push beyond our wall, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our families, in the marketplace, to shine the light of righteousness, to call sinners to repentance, to break bread with them when we have an opportunity. And Lord, I pray if any of us are in rebellion and we come under that classification of not being fellowship with, help us, Lord, to repent and let our sinfulness go. Help our eyes to open and see Folks that are being brainwashed in the culture and the road we're on to having the same thing happen to us if we do not repent. Lord, now is the time and today is the day of salvation. And Lord, we give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. We're called to give the Lord our life every day. So as we give him some more praise, let's give him our life today. Trust in God, my Savior, the one who will Oh
they're handling they're handling our food folks get the message may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace his shalom peace that passes understanding the peace that makes no sense that's based on Calvary's conquest and not compromising with you. In Jesus' name. Go get him, Tiger. Trust.